2: Uh, guys, welcome to this week's meeting regarding the Life's a Rec intro. We've more or less done everything, so no bad ideas here, guys. Just shoot them our way. Boom, boom, rapid fire. Let's go. What do we got? I would just like to kick things off. One word. Superhero. Superhero. Do like a little bad guy, good guy thing going on. No, I think that's gonna be too long. I've got one. What about, like, a grocery store atmosphere uh, like an axe, like a crash of a cart or something. Season one, guys, come on, do your homework. Come on, no, no one's got anything, eh? Really? What about like a like a Saturday Night Live um, type thing? No, we're gonna run into too many copyright issues. Not, not if you change change the, like the words of of it. Oh, well, we we are we are desperate. I mean, yeah, and just just add like a general studio crowd reaction tape uh, over top, and and ba boom, you've got an intro there. Huh. Uh, Maybe you're right. Um, Okay, Uh, you know what? Sure, let's. I'll give it a try. Uh, I'll no. I'm taking this one pre-recorded and edited in some lonely guy's bedroom. It's life's a wreck. going on guys and welcome back to the podcast intro was a uh, little little long eh? yeah this this one was your idea yeah exactly an idea you know you could have done a little better job on the editing yeah, well you could you could do some of the editing Ooh, if you, yeah that's not fun yeah carry on yeah, that's what i thought um as i was saying guys welcome back to life's a Rack, the podcast where i kyle moore a 22 year old basket case and the slightly unfortunate, unfortunate. voice of my mental illness explore the world of mental health through conversations with special guests and by talking to my myself um <clears throat> yeah, you're not really roping anyone in with that description yeah uh guys thanks for listening, rating, and reviewing the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform uh and if you haven't already and you said proof that you have to at life's direct podcast on instagram, I've been told that who who tells you the these things like that hangnail that you have uh it's it's gonna go away, so dude i I don't make the rules, I don't know,'m i just Little good things happen when you rate and review Life's Direct Podcast. That, that's the only thing that I do know. Uh, before we hop into things, guys, today I just wanted to give you a bit of a a quick update on how my life has looked. Um, just because of the fact that I feel like I haven't done that in a while. I feel like I haven't talked to you guys directly, um, and uh, and I wanted to take the chance to, to do that now. Um, honestly, right now, I, I feel really good. Shocker. Uh, I, I think I'm somewhat finally starting to settle into the current circumstances that I'm in. Um, and honestly this week I've had a lot of stuff go, go really well for me. So it's been a, it's been a really good week. Uh, I I did some great interviews with some podcasts out there, which I'll tell you guys more about on Instagram. Why anyone would willingly have you on a podcast still, you know, don't really get it, but honestly me neither. Not going to lie. Uh, but it happened. So I've been in touch with a lot of amazing people, um, And I'm excited to share those conversations with you guys. Guys, take it from me. They're really not that great. But if you're looking to fall asleep, Kyle's got you. He's great. (laughs) Stop. It's not not that funny, man. No, I know. Uh, Guys, without further ado, I wanted to welcome to Life's Wreck a pretty incredible individual. Jose Lugo joined an LA street gang when he was 16 and would be convicted and sentenced to five years in prison at the age of 18. When he paroled from prison, he vowed to himself that he would never go back and dreamed of one day telling the stories of his peers. Jose would go through his life never fully understanding the value of his own story, and at the age of 31, he would return to jail for a DUI. After his three-day incarceration, he had lost all hope, he saw himself as nothing but a criminal, and was on the brink of taking his own life. But Jose persevered after having a realization that every person has value, and thus their story does too. Jose is now the founder and lead creative of We Are All One Story and travels around the U.S. listening to and sharing people's stories. He's also finishing his memoir, Love, Faith, and Violence, a true song and story set to release in November of this year. An incredible man, an incredible story. Without further ado, Jose, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you doing?
1: Just woke up about a half hour ago. I'm not gonna lie, it's it's seven in the morning over here in uh, Denver, Colorado. But um, today I'm actually feeling pretty good. Um, I had a good night last night. Usually good nights lead into good mornings. So, um, like today, you know, I have a a good level of energy and I'm pretty upbeat. So, um, you know, that's in contrast to the past couple of days, just. dealing with everything that's going on around me as far as uh the unrest in in the states right now it can get intense sometimes and just you know uh being able to refocus on the things that i do and on my family and, and uh on the things that are important to me so that always helps
2: mm-hmm. yeah it is a it's a tough time eh like there's yeah. it, it's kind of overwhelming for sure
1: yeah yeah it's intense bro it's 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 history in the making we're a part of it we're we're active so i mean I feel that. way. Yeah. for the ride.
2: Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, how do you, if you are kind of having those bad days, how do you find that you usually uh, refocus?
1: Um, you know, I just talk about my my thoughts. You know, I'm a ponderer, and then you know that can easily lead to overthinking, which can lead to a loop. So it's usually good um, for me. I'll actually write down and get all those scattered thoughts and and move them into a cohesive thought with, you know, meaning for myself. And so, you know, I can bring them all together and um and make sense of it that way. And and I like doing it. It's like a release for me. And then we just, you know, it's kinda like uh the declutter and, mm-hmm. and it usually feels <laughs> like night and day after. So
2: Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I I heard in your story as well, that uh, meditation and prayer and in the mornings is a big thing for you as well.
1: I mean, yeah, I pray at night, I pray in the morning. Um, you know, for me, that's a huge part of, of just my day to day. It's, uh, reminds me that, you know, that one, I'm not alone and two, I'm not in control. And, you know, I know it doesn't, um, like it's a catch twenty two, but uh I'm not in control in the sense that I'm not in control of anything outside of my own person. Mm. So refocusing back on like, hey, these are the small things that I that are in my realm of influence that I can do. So that's the only things I should really be focusing on. And then anything outside of that, you know, that's when there's, you know, you gotta bring it back in.
2: Yeah. Yeah, do you find yourself getting caught up a lot in the in the external stresses of life?
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, it's only natural. I mean, right now we're going Absolutely. through a global pan, uh pandemic. Um there's a lot of racial unrest in the states, we got an election coming up that appears to be one of the most divisive elections that we're going to ever have in in the history of our nation and and you know, seeing people um being verbally at war with each other right now it's its intense and i just and to see family members take hard hard stances and to see friends take hard stances and to see people um really put a political belief above a personal friendship and mm-hmm. to me you know that's you know i think that leads to disaster and if you extrapolate that type of behavior it, you know i think it leads to just negative places and um like I said, I just always have to bring it back because those things are indeed happening right now around us. And I just bring it back to, well, what can I do? And the thing that I can do is then it was a day focus on my goals, on helping other people, helping myself and, and focus on the impact that has on a micro level.
2: I love that, man, because, you know, one small change can really make a pretty huge impact for sure. Um, It's it's one of those things. As I was like listening to you talk, such a well-spoken guy, and you 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 know what I mean. It's like one of those things where you put thoughts together so cohesively, and and I kind of want to switch gears a little bit because it, it seems like after hearing your story, you know, talking to you now, it's such an incredible path that you've been on and it, and it shows so much so much incredible growth so I, I was hoping that for my listeners who haven't heard your story who are who are listening to this for the first time you can we can kind of go back a little bit and we can kind of uh we can kind of start from from the beginning uh yeah. and, and kind of understand who you are today and, yeah. and where you started and everything so if you if you are comfortable with it I'd love to hear about uh, a little bit about your upbringing.
1: Uh, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California, in a small inner city called Wilmington. They moved to another inner city in the same area called San Pedro. Um, you know, my parents divorced when I was five. Um, after my parents divorced, my mom became pretty much extremely, you know, physically abusive. You know, mm. she was an extreme, you know, disciplinarian, quote unquote. And, um, and you know, from that time on, from, from being five, you know, I remember the... You know, the first instance of the actual uh like just being hit and you know, I couldn't really make sense of it because I love my mom so much and the conflict of what of like me trying to compute someone I love so much causing so much pain. Mm. And it just I couldn't I couldn't register I just remember that moment. I'll never uh, forget it. And I just it didn't make sense to me and I was just confused, I was hurt and you know and it didn't stop after that and and you know you know that's the way my mom decided to raise not just me but you know you know the rest of the family and it kind of uh you know skewed my view on for sure what love is you know my dad wasn't around so you know as a kid I always hoped that he was that he would come back like I was still a hopeful kid like you know, I would get beat and then the next day I'm smiling, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, like we're like you're, there's still a level of innocence mm-hmm. and it's hard to take away that innocence from a kid, you know, but it, you know, it, it ends up happening, you know, slowly, but surely. And, um, you know, I just remember always, always believing my dad was going to come back and things were going to get better. Cause I don't ever really remember getting hit before the di- divorce. And I just... Mm-hmm. I held on to that, and um, you know, it just never happened. I prayed every day for it, and i I thought you know God was like, yeah, and then I also you know the the more the days passed that the days turn into months into years, you know, my dad never came back, my mom didn't stop hitting me and and mm. you know that also tainted you know my perception of who God was and mm. and, and and his role in my life, and I then thought you know i started becoming cynical Mm. um you know and it didn't happen overnight like it was you know the moment i finally realized like man this is just life like you know it was it was when i was you know around 15 you know right before i joined um the gang you know it was uh it was like i walked outside of my house and it's kind of like i saw more violence yeah Saw more dysfunctional families and i was like man well like what's going on like Mm -hmm. it like i guess this is normal
2: yeah yeah did you do you feel Um, like you kind of like that the gang joining that somewhat became that supportive family that maybe
1: yeah of course yeah of course yeah hands down um you know i felt accepted i felt love you know from the viewpoint of what i thought love was um I felt the camaraderie and I felt a bond because, uh, you know, you know, the homies, we all have similar lives, Mm -hmm. you know, um, we don't talk about our feelings, but I think we feel them on it, on a deep way we're connected by that common pain that we all share. It can be different, you know, ways that we felt that pain, but there's just a lot of hurt Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of, um, Pent up anger that ends up turning into violence. You know that that leads to gang violence and that leads to to a lot of negative things. But within that group, you have each other's back. And people, you know, when someone tells you, "Hey, I have your back," no matter what, you can't help but think that's love. And that's the fact for 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 a lot of us. And it's a trap. It's a trap because we can't identify that 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 love is the most conditional love that that's out there like yeah like we love you but you have to do this (laughs) you know yeah we love you but if you do this then we're gonna have to do this to you and and as a kid you know we're kids and that's when you get you know that's when you get enthralled in it and and you don't know that the decisions you're making as a kid that you know you're you're signing on the dotted line of of Mm -hmm. the conditions yeah and you don't realize That obviously until you're older and 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 you know maybe luckily you have a chance to get out. Most people don't. But um, even given that, within my childhood, I had I had uh, four sisters, and I felt that they balanced, um, you know, the violence in the home, and that uh, I did feel their affection, and 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 it meant a lot in my childhood, and it means a lot to me now because I kind of did have something in my mind, a form of love that. Wasn't condition that wasn't based on conditions that was truly like, hey, we love you just because.
2: It, it, it's incredible, man. Because for me and how I grew up, I, I grew up in a in a two parent household in a in a nice you know white picket fence town kind of thing, super easy going. Um, and and granted that the reason that like you know growing up so well and and still having mental health issues was what kind of yeah. spurred my whole thing on, but it's so funny because you hear about you know all this and you see people say well you shouldn't have joined a gang in the first place but it's like you understand it's like you understand it so much better when you really realize like you're not joining it for for fun it's like you're joining (laughs) it because like it's filling a void
1: it's intoxicating for sure i mean people wouldn't do it if it wasn't it's like you get there's benefits that you feel that um that are tainted you know they feel like they're good but like man they're negative for you know make no mistake about it like you're doing there's good values in it there's still values of friendship loyalty but it's for uh all the wrong reasons and you just don't know that going in so you you have good values and it's just for a cause that um that is absolutely not worth it
2: yeah well you're a kid I mean, I can't imagine, dude. I mean, some of the shit that I did when I was 16, like, and that's and that's growing up, you know, in in a in a very good situation. I can like, you know what I mean? It's it's I can imagine it's so easy to fall into that trap.
1: I think my response, you know, looking back, I think my response was that uh, you know, I began to numb myself and disassociate and, and distance myself from what was happening within the household instead of trying to put myself in my mom's shoes. Cause how could I like, I'm, I'm a kid. And then even as a teenager, I have no clue what that concept even means. Like, you know, so instead I would just um, ignore it. Mm. And um, so in a lot of ways I was um, like numb. So going through it, like when, when I'm participating in the gang and then the violence and like, it, I never, there was already a level of numbness to the violence, you know, there was already a familiarity with it. It was, there was already like, it didn't feel foreign. It felt like this is just how life is. almost felt like, um, you know, well, I've been hurt. What does it matter if I hurt somebody else? You know, Mm. you know, they they haven't been as hurt as much as, as much as I have. Also, you know, no sense of self-responsibility either. Right um you know there's there's like uh inside, like I just don't know i I have no clue how to address the problems I'm going through. I have no clue to even talk about the problems I have I can't like I couldn't even it would have been too hard to even put it into a thought mm-hmm. to think about it, so I just pretty much like um, you know the gang was just like an outlet for all my pent up emotions, yeah. And in a lot of ways it felt good. Mm-hmm. And then I got, you know, I get the positive reinforcement for doing bad things. So I'm like, Oh, it feels good. And everyone's telling me, know, oh, good job. So, right. I mean, it's, a, it's a cycle that, um, that, you know, we easily fall into, but it's like, uh, I really think it's a mask that we hide behind because even as a kid, as a 16 year old, I I wanted people to see me as as, to see my gang before they see my my pain and my hurt, uh, to mm-hmm. see the facade, to see the persona that I'm building, instead of seeing the little boy who's just hurt, you know? Yeah. So like a fear, in, even growing up and even in prison, was like, man, is someone gonna see through this facade? Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah, and I, I can imagine that that's terrifying
1: yeah like I like man what if someone says something like what if like the violence in prison it was it's like that never that never you know I was already used to it uh-huh. but I was like in the back of my head I was like man what if somebody makes fun of me and says something about my mom about my mom you know hurting me or something like what am I gonna yeah. do
0: yeah
1: <laughs> You know, luckily <laughs> that never happened so but, um, yeah, that was always the underlying issue. Like I never knew how to address those issues. That's why I think mental health is huge because mm-hmm. it's the space for like you have to get into yourself. you have to get into your own head, into your own life, into your own story and and at least um start processing things in a positive way
2: yeah, absolutely do you, Do you think that while you were in jail, you kind of had time to to process all this or or what was that what was that kind of mentality like? How did you kind of come to that? That conclusion i guess
1: you know i was worried about the day-to-day for the most part you know there's a there's a, a certain like you know um you know there's the constant threat of violence mm. um and uh but what i did do in, in 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 prison is i got to talk to a lot of um a lot of homies and i would always inquire like hey you know why are you here and i'd hear their stories and then um they tell me about, and it was the same story, like it's the yeah. same story across all boards, absentee dad, dysfunctional family. Um, and a lot of them would say, well, yeah, my mom was never home. Well, my mom beat me and she had guys over all the time. My mom would let other guys, her her dudes would, would, would hit me, et cetera, et cetera. And then it made me, that gave me the perspective to look at my mom in a different light and you know i may not have made a grand plan while i was in prison but i did finally in my heart see my mom as a person and i saw her as a person going through her own things and giving everything taking everything to account with six kids that you know her her violence was intense but at the end of the day like um the perspective from all the other stories i had heard i was like hey she was just trying just as hard and and you know, a lot of ways she succeeded, and 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 in some ways she really failed. But um, you know, she was still there, and, and she tried her best. And I forgave her, you know, because I blamed her for, like, you know, I blamed her for a lot of things. I blamed her for obviously for hitting me, you yeah. know, and naturally, <laughs> and um, but I did use that time to 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 think about her and her life in depth. And I actually did put myself in her shoes and I try to see things from her perspective. And, and my whole prison time, you know, that was a huge takeaway. And that was a big step that I needed to take, you know, moving forward in my life.
2: Was there anything specific, like specifically that kind of like led to that turning point or was it just one of those things where you spent enough time with your thoughts that it just kind of like you started to, to come to that conclusion? It
1: was like into my like right into my fourth year and it was just where i just you know like you know i would walk around the prison yard and just you know you know think about different things feel different things and i'd look around and you know you know finally on the fourth year i kind of missed my mom you know and i Mm. kind of uh you know i was like you know i had committed you know multiple robberies and there were um innocent cashiers involved and you know who am I who am I to withhold forgiveness for anyone Mm. and you know so that process happened organically is like hey this is she's just a person just like me
2: it's a it's a funny realization when you do eventually hit that point a where everybody around you is still They're just like you. You know what I mean? That's (laughs) a powerful thing, but it's like, it's not an easy conclusion to come to, to actually start seeing people as people and understanding that the reason that they do the actions that they do is because of things that have been done to them or, or consequences that they've faced. Exactly. Man, have you always been like a very like thoughtful kind of like being able to process this kind of stuff? Because these are some pretty complicated, like big emotions that you're dealing with during times of like incredible stress. Like I can imagine that prison was. I mean,
1: I've always been articulate. I've always been able to, to move across points. Um, When it comes to emotions, man, like I just would have, you know, uh, I usually just, ignored them but in prison that that big forgiveness like I like it was organic but it took years and it wasn't until the 4th year that it was just finally you know it's like a eureka moment you know and it's and you know when I got out of prison you know my brother picked me up Ralph picked me up and you know I went I saw my mom I gave her a hug and and she gave me a hug and and I was like what happened in the past happened in the past like you know and um And I'm still her son and she's still my mom. And, you know, right now, you know, our relationship isn't lovey-dovey. I don't think it'll ever be. But um, it's certainly a relationship that's pretty tight still in its own way. That's
2: good, man. I'm I'm happy for you because that's... that's, I'm sure that felt pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Did you... You did the, the... Was it one stint in jail or...
1: I did. Well, I did that. And then I ended up, you know, when... When everything like when my mental health and everything like started crashing down, I ended up going back to jail for, for a few nights for a DUI, and,
0: mm.
1: and man, it uh, it was the biggest reality check that I certainly needed. Um, you know, I was sitting in the cell, and man, like uh, it was a whole different feeling from my first prison from the only prison sense, which was a long time, like, at least there was, um, like, uh, like I had did the crime, like I knew I had to, like, there wasn't like, I was like, Hey, I got, you know, just give me my sense and let me just, you know, you know, knock this time out, but for the DUI, I was just so mad at myself that I'm back in jail, mm-hmm that I swore I would never go back unless it was like something out of the ordinary involved with my family or like just something crazy. And I was like, I'm back in jail for a DUI. Yeah. And, and it just, I started to, um, and, you know, after that, you know, I had a fortunate turn of events that also I had to stop drinking mm. and, the way I used to process my emotions was by not processing them, by drinking them and and really um, you know, being an alcoholic at the end of the day. And just that was the way I dealt with my issues. I thought that's how most men deal with their issues and, you know, right. and you know, lack of guidance too. I mean, we don't we don't talk about that enough. But, you know, um, you know, I was forced to sit down soberly and look at my life take an account for it and start the process of like figuring out who I am and you know it sounds crazy but I'm like I had kept those tried like keeping those parts of me separate like um and you know that's a setup for disaster that's not a setup for true growth or anything close yeah and um You know, sitting in that jail cell for those few days, like, I just couldn't believe it. Mm. I just couldn't believe it. And um, one of the things my, uh, one of the homies in prison told me um, right before I got out that I'll never forget, there are two things. Um, One was, your worst day out there will always be better than my best day in here. Mm. And the other thing was just be happy for us. That's all you have to do. And I wasn't even happy. And, you know, I wasn't happy at all, but I would venture I wasn't, I hadn't been happy in since a long time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, you know, I started the process of going back into my own story and, and the answers were in there. So, but, um, yeah, that second time in jail for the DUI, man, geez, I felt like a complete idiot. <laughs> but I was, I was down. I was down and out, and um, you know that was, you know, even in that time, I was. That was during the depression, and during, you know, falling into that depression, and it was just like another thing that went wrong as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, yeah, it was just like everything was spiraling down, and And um, and it had to happen that way because there's no way I would have learned. Like you know, I've always been a hard like, uh, especially with life lessons. I never liked anyone telling giving me any advice, and I never you know like yeah, like you know. No, I I get that for sure. Yeah. So life, life had to teach me, and you know, life surely did. And and luckily, I'm still here today because you know. I finally opened my eyes and I opened my heart and, you know, I took the lesson in it. And, um, yeah. Do yeah. suck, but I- <laughs> it was a blessing in disguise.
2: <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I mean, there's a lesson in, a lesson in every action eh? or in yeah, every yeah. consequence kind of thing. Um, yeah. it, this is a, a bit of a two-part question. First of all, I kind of want to know when your mental health struggles started, like when the depression started, um, and also kind of like, when did, when did you hit a turning point where it was like, I wanna get healthy, I don't want to feel like this anymore? And obviously you probably felt like that during the midst of it, but was there a point where you were like, I I have to help myself?
1: Man, I think it started young and I just yeah. didn't know it. Like it started early teens, if not younger. Like, you know, when you're getting hit by your mom and like I'm I I'm a naturally loving person. So yeah, you know, it's either I'm gonna open up my heart or I'm gonna try and close it as much as I can and You know, my strategy was well. Let me just close it, Mm. and when you do that, you don't get to feel the true joy of life Mm. because you' only operating at thirty percent heart. You know what I mean? Like you're not open. So that so you think you're protecting yourself by closing your heart, but really all you're doing is hurting yourself because you're you're then not able to feel. You know all the good Mm -hmm. so you that's you know the quote unquote being numb and um you know of course I had no clue that's what was happening the inner mechanics or had even any conception that that was happening so um everything came to a head as far as where me realizing mental health the DUI was a part of that but um my brother who's a U.S. Paralympic gold medalist um he had called me before he before he made the, uh, the U.S. national team. I was living in San Antonio. I had just broke up with my girlfriend, and he was living in D.C. And he called me, and he said, bro, I need a roommate. And, you know, long story short, I told him, yeah, we booked our flights. We came over here. We looked at different, you know, different places. Um, we signed the lease that night, flew back home, packed our stuff, drove over here and moved to Denver. And this wow. was at the end of 2017. And um, man, I, it went for a ride after that. So, you know, at that point, like, I know I don't, I know I'm not happy. I know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Um, that's all I know, but I just don't know how to deal with it. I don't know, like, how do you tell, like, I don't know how to tell another person another man like hey i'm not happy and i don't feel good yeah so i just keep on trying you know i get a job uh and i try and recreate an atmosphere that i'm used to so you know when you're involved in gangs there's a lot of partying that goes on too obviously it's like a numbing like it's 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 a a cycle so i recreated somewhat that environment here and so like I would wake up hating my life yeah I just didn't know what to do though I didn't know how to deal with it I didn't know what was going on and 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 then you know I started feeling the lows of the depression and 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 not wanting to live anymore
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and I was thinking you know the way I was processing it was like well you know all my friends they're either dead or in jail Or, you know, a lot of them are addicted to drugs. A lot of them are still in the hood, like dealing with hood stuff. And I was like, you know, and I was like, well, I didn't get away scot-free. Like, this is my punishment. This is my Mm -hmm. punishment. So I guess this is how life's supposed to be. And man, I'm trying to plow through these days and and I've always been a fighter and I've always been, you know, you know, in the physical sense, but this fight was a fight unlike any other it it was the more you try and swing at it with brute force the more it beats you down and (laughs) and 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 every day like you know I'm it's like I'm hanging in there but I'm bloodied every day like I'm 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 against the ropes every day and and you know and then it starts manifesting you know my inner feelings just start manifesting into my day-to-day life I get the DUI my girlfriend leaves me, I get fired for my job, I get another job, I get fired. And I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? Mm. I'm just trying to get through the days. And just finally, I'm like, man, I just like, if, if this is how it's gonna be for the rest of my life, I'd rather not live. Yeah. You know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't have a place to go to. I certainly didn't want to talk to another person about it. Because it, like, you know, it would have been just tears on my, and I didn't want someone else to see me just weep and cry and let it all out. And finally, I just, I went to the only place that I felt I could go to. And I cried out to God and I said, God, I don't, if this is how life's going to be, I don't want to live. I said, I'm sorry for everything I've done. You know, I felt a peace after that. And, you know, you don't just stop having suicidal thoughts because that's not how it works. But I felt that, um, that maybe there was hope yeah. that I could change. And, you know, after that, I started having, you know, a series of actually common sense realizations. And one of those was that the whole way that I had lived my life was wrong. Mm. That the rationales that I had built to justify the wrong way that I was living was wrong. Yeah. That the things I had done, were wrong. I was always sorry for the innocent people who were involved, but I always made excuses, um, surrounding the crime. Like, well, you know, it was just money. It was just, uh, it was just, you know, I was poor. What else was I going to do? And I never fully was like, you know, I, I was pointing the finger outward and finally, you know, it was like, it was wrong all the way around. It was stealing, it was hurting, it was robbing, it was, you know, um, wrong on every level. And, you know, that's a hard realization to have,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, to admit that the whole way you've been living was ass backward. And then how do you write that shit? Yeah. You know, these things are not easy by any means. And, um, but like I said, I felt there was hope and, um, you know, I started, praying every day but i also started writing it every day yeah started writing my feelings i started writing like you know i started um um talking openly about my inner thoughts mm-hmm. um and releasing those demons quote unquote have you yeah. and um and man like uh I didn't know that there was a whole mental health community. I didn't know that there was so many people who were kind-hearted and going through the same thing. Like the world just seemed to open up because um, I felt a part of that was because I finally opened my heart up.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, I finally decided if I'm going to live, like I've been living with my heart, trying to protect my own heart, but only hurting myself in the process. And I finally said, if, you know, if I'm going to live, I'm going to open my heart and I opened it and the world opened up for me as well and um and man it's it's we made it out of that depression i made it out of that depression i had my and after that i started talking about it more i started connecting with people who had been through the same thing and it's just been a beautiful process but it's a continual process as well and it's a lifelong process so it's 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 um it's not like, hey, man, you know, I'm good. I think I'm just going to do it like this. <laughs> you, <Yeah>. know? <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, everything's good now. You know, I cried out to God. I, I did this for about three years. There's no more work required. Yeah, know?
2: exactly. No. <laughs> I'll trust um, you, man. I'm yeah, on, the, I'm on yeah, the same page. I feel that. Yeah,
1: yeah. so it's just kind of like once I was also able to see that time frame and I, I was able to take a deep breath and be like, you know, because during the beginning – um i was like damn f- why am i not healed yet <laughs> yeah. you know Hold um up. but it was more like you know during the beginning i was like well you know this is a lifelong process and i finally mm-hmm. realized that and i was able to you know, relax a little bit and know like hey this doesn't happen overnight like i i felt that i had the catalyst for change and i had the hope and above all i believed that it was possible and um and uh we just haven't stopped you know it's an everyday thing and you know you just got to keep on going totally
2: man yeah I, i'm i'm so fascinated in how you went from because i mean i did the same thing i'll a little backstory on like kind of like where this all came from is i was going through some real bad mental health stuff and uh and I didn't want to tell anybody, didn't want to tell my parents, didn't want to tell my friends, didn't want to tell anybody. And so I kind of like, I had a background in media and I was like, you know what, like, I'm just going to kind of, I'm a big believer that when you put something out into the universe, the people who need to find it will find it kind of thing. And, uh, and by creating this, this podcast, yeah. um, you know, it was my excuse just to to put all my feelings out just into yeah. the, into the universe. And it was kind of one of those yeah. things where I didn't have to directly, tell anybody it was a starting point for me to kind of start talking about the shit that was going on for me um and so like I'm you know you obviously went from a much more like intense circumstance of not of not wanting to show people this side of you to starting the we are all one story project like uh, you know I'm just curious where that where that happened where that decision to go you know what I'm gonna just I'm just gonna tell literally the internet everybody about what's going on i'm going to try to try to touch you know connect with as many people as possible
1: you know yeah it's pretty fortuitous turn of events
0: yeah
1: (laughs) Um, absolutely uh, um, but you know when i wanted to take my own life and when i was in that depression i saw one i felt hollow certainly felt hollow i felt like i was just skin and bones yeah um and I had that feeling towards my story, that my story was hollow, that my story had no meaning. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons that I didn't take my own life, and and mind you, I was quite close to it, um, was because I remembered an inherent truth that we all have, and that's that we have transcendent value as people. mm so, if that value is inherent, that has to mean that your story is inherently valuable as well. Um, man, I had that thought and we just ran with it. So, that's great. Um, yeah, we haven't stopped. I, t- I remember telling my brother, uh, I was like, bro, check this out. It's like, <laughs> all we got to do is listen. All we, one, I said, all we got to do is say the truth. Yeah. Like we don't gotta worry. We're not politicians. We're not. We're not. We're not pushing any real specific agenda or anybody's ideology. I was like, all we gotta do is tell the truth of our own story, mm-hmm. and we gotta listen to people's stories. And my brother, who's you know also you know a big part of this, my little brother as well. Um, man, they heard it and they were all in, and and then we just got it off the ground.
2: I love that, dude. What are your, uh, you know, what are your aspirations for, for we are all one story going forward?
1: I mean, you know, right now, uh, you know, we're currently just, you know, traveling the States, listening to people's stories. Um, a lot of times we mostly go to LA, but we do, we do make cross country trips. Um, we want to take the same thing we're doing here and we want to take it internationally. Mm-hmm. We feel the same mess. The message is universal. The message is in each person and it's in each story. So yeah
2: it's a powerful message man and and yeah. definitely like one of the things that I I love that I'm gonna definitely go back and re-listen to that uh that quote about inherent value because I think that and, and as somebody else who has went through their depressive like you know my own depressive episodes and that, that own kind of contemplating what life mm-hmm. is and is this really what it, you know what I mean looking around yeah. and going like really yeah. This is it? yeah you know what I mean like yes. this is what yeah. I got yeah.
0: um, <laughs> you know, it, it,
2: it's yeah. something powerful to keep in mind for sure yeah. Um, I, I, I do you know as we're kind of starting to to get to the end of the episode I, I do want to know I we had talked a little bit before we started recording um, and I had said that the whole reason that I started this podcast is because when I was 15, 16, 17, literally 18, 19, um, this is something that I could have used. I could have used some, you know, I, I always say that I could have used some kind of like douchey football player looking guy, you know, yeah. who doesn't take himself too seriously and likes to joke around talking about mental yeah. health with people like you. And, and I, I'm curious if you could go back after this this incredible like journey that you've been on, and talk to yourself during these these formative years when you were going through so much, like what you know what would you have told yourself what kind of wisdom would you have tried to impart on your younger you
1: you know I've been asked this question before and and the first time I was asked it, you know it was you know the closest answer that was in my heart that i that I could give, and it was that you know I, I wouldn't know what to tell my younger self i would have I would have wanted my younger self to feel something to feel to be told something believe it and feel it and and of course that thing that that I would have wanted to be told was that I would be loved regardless but to feel it and believe it as a kid
2: no I I always I always think that if I was gonna go back I would just kind of like I just hug hug my younger self kind of yeah yeah exactly and just be like oh like
1: yeah exactly. Like
2: sucks, embrace the hug. Yeah. Yes. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Like don't, you know, don't, yeah, don't yeah, run exactly. from this, yeah. Like just feel that. And yeah, yeah, it's one of those things I've always felt, and I don't know if you feel the same, but like when you go on this journey, you kind of make peace with the, the angst and the pain of, of a younger you. And that's what, yeah. that's what this has become so important yeah. for me is because it's like, every time I, I sit down with a guest, and, and, and have these incredible conversations it's that little piece of healing and uh, yeah. yeah it definitely yeah. it definitely helps it just it just helps to talk eh? just just share
1: for sure yeah
2: yeah every time yeah. for sure man um, I, I want to know how people can support what you're doing and uh, and kind of support your journey right now
1: I mean, um, you can go check out our website at weareallonestory.net. You can shoot us a follow on our social media at weareallonestory on Instagram or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, have a bug coming out in November. If you want to support her, you can just buy the bug. Hopefully it's any good. So sure, we we'll see. Absolutely.
2: We'll see. After talking to you, and I can definitely, I can definitely say that uh, you've you've officially sold one copy. I'll definitely be picking it up. Right there. <laughs> thank
1: you, thank you, of course, thank man.
2: Um, like we talked about beforehand, I like to give a challenge out at the end of every episode. Um, something that uh, my listeners, and uh, you know, and me too, can take into uh, their week, their month, their year, whatever it might be, based on your own experiences. Um, something that's just helped you live a healthier, happier life. Um, what challenge would you would you like to put forth? <sighs>
1: I mean, a challenge, um, you know, for anybody who's listening out there, I mean, especially given the climate right now, you know, right now is not the time to hold on to your feelings. Right now is not the time to keep your thoughts in your own head. Um, so my challenge would be to, uh, if, if you're going through any any thoughts that that you feel you need to let out, you know, let them out. Go and talk to somebody unabashed. I think uh, you'll be surprised at the response you get most people will, will be all ears and um if you're too shy to even talk to somebody else at least sit down and write down in detail what you feel
2: I love that man yeah, yeah yeah well Jose I I cannot thank you enough for taking the time early this morning man awesome. <laughs> um it's been uh it's been a great start to my day so I hope uh yeah and uh definitely wish you nothing but the best man it's a, it's an incredible thing what you're doing so so keep it up thank you brother Honestly, man, straight up, I am blown away by our guests so consistently, it, it's yeah. it's unreal. Yeah, from inmate to author and public speaker is pretty dope. You know, I feel like there's a certain kind of person who, when they speak, you just innately want to listen, like you hang off of every word, yeah. basically just Jose has all the qualities that you don't. You know, it's kind of weird, you always try to make things about me. No, I, I'm, that's You, you really, you know, really are like a little, it's like a little obsession with me or something. Okay, keep going with the outro, that's, that's gross. Yeah, huh. Uh, Guys, massive shout out to Jose for coming on the podcast. Such a powerful person to talk to and to understand how far he's come. Like, not only to learn to cope and heal from his childhood trauma, but to also have such a lifelong journey. Uh, Real quick, do you mind if I jump in here? Why? Do you want to mention something about how my journey has been like a year in the making or it doesn't compare or something like that? No, actually, uh, you know, I just wanted to emphasize the fact that Jose highlighted... Many of his homies also came from broken homes. You know, joining these gangs was a chance to escape that and be surrounded by people who also shared in that pain, however deep and unspoken that that pain might have been. I feel like we as a society need to understand that behind every action, there's a consequence that has led to that action. You know, we need to further fund these disenfranchised communities and their education systems to give these kids and their families the systems of support that they need to heal and just deal with the generational trauma that they've went through. You know, so that down the road, we create a generation that doesn't feel the need to turn to gangs just to break a cycle of abuse. You know, a cycle of abuse by not only their families, but a, a system that has been built literally to just kind of f- them. You know, we need to live through empathy. And and like Jose and his team talk about like just understand that we are all one you know we are all one story holy shit dude come on just because i'm a dick to you doesn't mean i don't glaringly see the problems that the system has created for people like jose wow man i honestly do not know what to say that's powerful shit Guys, check out Jose on Instagram at JoseLugo6587 and follow at Story to keep up with all the incredible work him and his team are doing. And while you're there, you can follow me at Morzy M-O-O-R-Z-Y-Y-Y and the podcast at Life's A Wreck Podcast. Guys, as I'm reflecting on the episode and what Jose and my partner in the back uh, just said, you know, I can't help but think. Life's a wreck. I'll see you in two weeks.